time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back to the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by thefeed.com. I'm Cody Waite. And I'm your other host, Kathy Waite. And this is part three in our four-part series to unpack all the details of our latest and greatest version 4.0 training plans. Uh, So stay tuned for the killer deal offered by The Feed our partner. We'll, we'll touch base on that at the end. You've likely heard this if you've listened to parts one and two, uh, but we'll throw it in at the end as a reminder. Um, yeah, so part three, we're going to talk specifically about our 14-week base builder plan. And if you listen to the previous episode, the base builder plan is Cody's baby. <laughs> <laughs> the ba- in all seriousness, the base builder plan, the base builder progression. I am being serious. Is something we've done for the last seventeen years, yeah, and probably uh, for probably th- we did thirteen years, I think thirteen or fourteen years in person uh, in, in like a trainer studio mm-hmm. in, in and around Denver. I mean, when I first started, it was in a friend's fitness studio, then mm-hmm. it went to a bike shop, and then it went to a city-run rec center for a few years. We then we had around. our own facility mm-hmm. for about seven years, um, so we've been around, yeah. And we've done it in many different formats, as short as I think, I think at one year we did like an eight-week one, which yeah. was a little too short, it was a little rushed. Um, and then we did one year, it was like 24 weeks, a couple of years. And when we, we got sick gym. of everybody, we said never again. <laughs> and I mean, in, to be honest, to be fair, that was base builder plus we sort of added like the race prep part to that, but it was still a very long, drawn out base building process for sure. Ultimately, a little long. So... What we've landed on is kind of that 12 to 14 week um, time span. It seems okay. to work really well. So three to three and a half months of base building. And 12 weeks works perfectly. But what we've done is we've added two recovery weeks inside mm, that. So you could, okay. so there were some seasons where we did it where it was like 12 weeks from start to finish. And there was no technical like recovery week. We just gradually built through the whole 12 weeks. And that works. But... I think it works better if if not from a physical standpoint, at least a mental standpoint, mm-hmm. to have a break kind of in the middle, like a recovery week where you don't have to do like structure and you can train a little less. Mm-hmm. So that occurs at week seven. And then week 14 of the 14-week plan is also a recovery and like retesting week. So um, that's how we've landed on 14 weeks sort of being the this ideal amount of time. So that's a little backstory on that. Um, yeah, so we'll, should we dig into it? Yeah, let's talk about it. Like, what, what would you call a base builder plan? D- did you come up with that phrase, base builder? I it's sort think of like so. your like yeah. trademark. I mean, it's not that creative, but um, <laughs> I think you're, it has bu- a little, you're I think building it has a little your base. Ring to it. Yeah, um, and base builder. So, okay. well, I mean, that's what we've called it. For how would you describe years. it to somebody? In a nutshell, um, you're starting following our philosophy, which is gradual, progressive increase in training load, right? So you're going to start with a relatively low training load. So in this instance, it is lower intensity to begin with and lower volume or minutes in, across the week. 
and it's going to gradually build over those 14 weeks. Um, and we work in two-week energy system-focused blocks across the 14 weeks. Okay. Um, so really, we actually do three two-week blocks, mm-hmm. and then we have our recovery week, because I mentioned that that was week seven, and then three more two-week blocks. And each of those two-week blocks... There's two structured interval sessions, and this is following kind of more that polarized training method we've um, spoken about, where it's like twice a week, some structured. Um, the first two weeks, to be fair, are still aerobic, aerobic threshold training, and then it gets into anaerobic threshold training. So we'll just say high intensity, although the first two weeks it's still technically low intensity. Um, and gradually working through the higher intensity energy systems um, within like the gl- bigger glycolytic energy system, like ener- energy subsystems of uh, anaerobic threshold. And in our nomenclature, we have kind of a, a low anaerobic threshold and a high anaerobic threshold range or zone. Mm-hmm. And I like to target the low end specifically and then the high end specifically. And that's that like tr- anaerobic threshold zone, if you want to call it that. Then we go into a um, VO2 max kind of subsystem. Mm-hmm. And within those workouts, we also focus on like the a zone. There's a high and a low. and we'll, But we'll do intervals that focus on the both ends of the zone kind of individually. Okay. And I can speak a little bit more about that in a second. And then anaerobic power. And that's kind of getting towards the top. You know, that's our like one to four minute power. But mm-hmm. we're doing short, you know, high power intervals. And then the last one is um, peak power, or essentially like sprinting for five second, your okay. best five second power, um, and moving across those fourteen weeks. And when we're in those energy system interval sessions, are we're gonna do them by power primarily, and then just like check our heart rate as a secondary governor? Exactly. We've spoken about that a mm-hmm. lot in the in our podcast and whatnot, but. Yeah, train the high intensity stuff. You train by power, so using a smart trainer or a power meter, um, and you have specific power targets, power zones. You know you're trying to hit, and you're keeping an eye on heart rate. We've mm-hmm. you know talked about this before in the past, where we don't actually want to go too hard. Mm-hmm. And the intervals are designed in such a way to kind of have you sort of get your heart rate up to about 93 percent of your max, give or take. If you're working harder than that, we recommend you kind of back it off, you know, and that sort of thing. So, and there's descriptions in that within the workout. But um, go listen to our past episode uh, 58 when we talked all about the high intensity training methods that we do mm-hmm. in regards to power versus heart rate and keeping yeah, that's an a, always a good discussion. Um, so it does have that, and then the low intensity side of the equation, um, we uh, use heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of like our principle or our philosophy, how we kind of do everything. And that stays the same in base builder as well. Um, as always, you can do these workouts indoors or out. Um, erg users can rejoice now, you know, for those high intensity workouts <laughs> in particular. Um, you can use erg mode um, and do do those high intensity intervals. And then when you're doing your aerobic work, I'm still a fan of go by heart rate. Um, so take it out of erg so mode. So take it out of mer- yeah. erg mode and free ride or go, go ride outside if you can. Um, and do that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and then across the plan, as your intensity is increasing as through those targeted energy systems, you're also potentially going to gradually increase your aerobic volume as well. And that's kind of midweek. There's a aerobic threshold ride in the mix. 
uh, and also a shorter aerobic ride midweek. And then the weekend has the longer sort of aerobic endurance rides. Um, and that's one that you'd potentially or ideally want to be able to extend and get those extra TSS as the weeks go by through going longer and longer on those weekend rides. Um, as a side note, for those that are sort of constrained by like total uh, like minutes per week they have available to train mm-hmm. uh, and can't extend the long ride um, on the during the week, you can always um, revert back to aerobic threshold intervals. Uh, and do more of those and spend more minutes near your aerobic threshold as opposed to... uh, A slightly lower heart rate. Well, I was going to say within a shorter ride. Mm -hmm. So it's like your your long ride volume doesn't have to grow, but the number of minutes at your aerobic threshold within that ride could grow, Uh and you'll get more TSS that way. Got it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So kind of like two ways to skin the cat. If you have more time... Spending more time on your bike is, I would argue, optimal. Mm-hmm. But if you are time crunched and don't have that, do more riding at that aerobic threshold. You'll get more TSS uh, and still be following that polarized model. You'll just be like right up under that um, aerobic threshold um, doing that. And uh, What kind oh. of like weekly load increase would someone be looking at? Yeah, so those that are familiar with training peaks and the performance management chart and their CTL graphs and things... You know, we've, we've t- spoken about, you know, being built around a progressive load, you know, that how much that CTL line, that fitness line goes up uh, is referred to as ramp rate. And if we speak in terms of a weekly ramp rate, so how many CTL points you're going to increase, something around two to four, maybe five, that's on the higher end, um, across the 14 weeks is sort of a, a typical expectation of what to find. So to put that in perspective, across 14 weeks, a rider might see 25 to maybe 50 CTL increase over the 14 weeks. So you can see how the plan is built. You'll, you can enter this at a relatively low level of fitness or mm-hmm. CTL and 14 weeks later potentially gain 25 to 50 CTL points, which could be significant. I mean, if you start at say 30, you could end at 80 or more, uh, and that's just the finish of your base and be pretty pretty fit by the end. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that because I think I'm still like 33. Right, because <laughs> so, you had some setbacks. Yeah, I had some setbacks, but I'm ready to go now. Yeah, for me, it's like usually when I'm about halfway through base builder, I'm starting to feel pretty fit. Like I could do just about anything I need to do. I'm maybe not like peaked by any means, mm-hmm. but like I'm fit and I could like jump into a race or be competitive on a fast group ride or something like that um kind of halfway through base builder and by the end i I could definitely race you're not far off of a peak um especially for a shorter distance race at the end of base builder Um, and then on the resistance training side of things or strength training side of things uh it does drop down to twice a week from three times a week that Mm -hmm. you were doing in base uh prep but it gets a little bit gradually progressively a little bit heavier lifting in there you want to talk yeah, about let's that let's chat about that for a second we use an app called train heroic it's very user-friendly uh, and in their system they refer to um working max as like the their terminology for like a one rep max so right. if anyone has like strength training background of any kind or crossfit people would you know like to talk about oh my one rep max for deadlift is 
fill in the blank, my one rep max for bench press or, or back squat. Well, back in the day when we had our trainer studio and we ran classes, it made me incredibly nervous to try to get people to find a one rep max. I would often encourage them to find a three rep max and we would take a percentage of it. It just stressed me out so badly. Right. And I just don't think the the reward to risk is worth it. And you, I think you would agree on that yeah, too. I yeah, I would agree. Especially as we, you know, we get older. So, um, well, especially as people are doing this maybe on their own. Yeah, There's one like, thing if we were watching them and... It's all of it. Yeah. It's it's like, what kind of experience do you have? How's your form? You know, fill right. in the blank. So I really like that Train Heroic has this built into their app mm-hmm. where first, if you've never used the app, they have no data on you. So you have to put some sort of guesstimate into like your profile settings. Like what would be um, a fair and safe working max for your deadlift and your squat? Well, um, let, let's talk about that. I think what we used to say in person would be that you could roughly guesstimate that you could deadlift your body weight mm-hmm. and you could back squat 75, right. 75% of your body weight. That's, that's a good starting that's point. That's a starting point. It's a conservative starting Yeah. Point. If you have no idea, go with that. If you have some idea, you think about what you accomplished last year, the year before, you could go with that, but I would reduce it by something, knowing that you may not have been doing routine work mm-hmm. and you're not as strong. So you would put that information as a starting place in Training Heroic, but as you go through strength sessions and you input data, it will start tallying in some sort of algorithmic background fashion what an accurate working max would be for you. So say you had put in 200 pounds as your working max for your deadlift, but as you're going along, you're calculating data, you're entering data, it may tell you, actually, Cody, we think your working max is 210. Okay, great. So it would start adjusting for you. It's right. pretty darn cool. And then our workout prescriptions for the deadlift in this mm-hmm. example is a set consisting of a percentage of that working max. Exactly. So to put this in perspective to maybe people that aren't as familiar with strength training but are bike training, it's very common practice to know your FTP, which mm-hmm. you could kind of think of as your working max, and then the intervals prescribed are like a percentage of that FTP. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact concept here. You have your one rep or working max. I, mm-hmm. I got to stop calling it one rep max. Your working max <laughs> and your the intervals or the lifts you're going to do are a percentage of that working max. Right. It works really great. I, it I works really like. great. Now, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, A, I don't have access to barbells or B, I'm nervous about them or just have no experience with barbells, is the strength program still for me? Yes. We have it built in there that you have an option for a barbell movement, back squat or deadlift would be the specific movements, or non-barbell movements um, to still hit the same muscle groups. Right. Um, using a kettlebell or a dumbbell or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Or you could even go as far as like using a leg press machine or things like that mm-hmm. at the gym. So we give you options, um, lots of videos for help. Um, yeah, and you can mix and match too. Oh yeah, I want to touch on that. So you and I have done this long enough that we kind of know like what works for our bodies and that has actually changed over the years, Yeah, but we do it differently. You and I, so I'll, I just wanted to say like what I do and then you can share what you do okay. and it gives people an idea that there are, there's so much flexibility in this program. Right. So when it comes to back squats, I no longer do a barbell back squat. It just, I have a fused lower back L4 to S1. It makes me uncomfortable. It, it, it doesn't even feel good on my shoulders to put the barbell mm-hmm. um, on my back. So I don't do that. I will do um, some sort of 
kettlebell or dumbbell movement. It could be a goblet squat where I hold a weight to my chest and squat. It could be a step up where I'm stepping up into a box or a bench holding weights in my hands. I might do a pistol squat and, and a bench. And these movements are all provided in the strength training program. Yeah, training exactly. Yeah. Um, with videos. Right. And anyway, so you can get the idea that I'm I'm mixing and matching some alternative movements to a barbell back squat. And then when it comes to the hip hinge or the deadlift movement, I do love deadlifts so very much, mm -hmm. but I've gravitated more towards using the hex bar, also called a trap bar, versus a classic barbell with classic deadlift body position. Mm -hmm. And some would say that the hex bar deadlift is sort of a combo between a back squat and a deadlift if you have your butt low. Mm -hmm. And that's great because you could just use it as a combo move. I still kind of keep that traditional body position where my butt's a little bit higher. It's definitely working my hamstrings and butt and low back. And so I will just, my heavier movement of the session is always the hex bar deadlift and I'm calling it more of my hip hinge movement. Okay. okay. So that's how I do it. What do you do? Yeah, so for me, um, big fan of um, back squats and the traditional deadlift for years. Um, I really like both movements. <clears throat> Pardon me, but um, I too, as I've gotten older, you know, and I have... I don't have a fused back um, like you, but I've had um, back issues as many mm -hmm. people do when they get into their 40s. And I've just found that the traditional barbell back squat just doesn't work that great for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I can do it at like moderate loads, but it's just does it feel I feel way too compromised at heavier loads. So um, and I'd even go as far as to say the same thing with with deadlifts. And funny enough, I think because of where how, where and how my back is compromised um my in the past my deadlift max weight and squat max weight were actually very comparable which is not normal usually people <laughs> can deadlift quite a bit more yeah, than they can for back sure squat they can, usually so i was definitely like limited there for mm -hmm. whatever mechanical and uh, biological reasons but all that said what i've come to enjoy as well is also the hex bar lift and no, i'm um, a huge fan well i think it's becoming more and more popular mm -hmm. i mean the my understanding of the history of that piece of equipment and the hex bar for those unfamiliar it's literally like the hexagonal shaped steel tube and you you're standing in the middle of it mm -hmm. and then there's like two handles as if you were picking up a suitcase on each or side two buckets. or two yeah. buckets and then the weights are out outboard there and you know you squat down but it's a squat and a hip hinge and you stand back up, you know, carrying mm -hmm. the weight. And, and because the barbell's not at your shins and sort of, quote, in the way, it allows you to pick the body position that works for your physiological right. structure. Where before it's like you got to get your knees back, yeah, your shin, yeah. get the bar close to your shins and all that. Yeah, this is sort of a tangent, but if, if you've seen the hex bar and wondered what it was, consider having someone teach you how to use it. It's very cool. Yeah, it's a very great piece of equipment and it i think it was created by bodybuilders and the reason it's called a trap bar is because they would train their traps which is like the top of your shoulder oh yeah and doing like shrugs basically like shoulder shrugs. they would step inside the barbell and stand up and then a, shrug the bar yeah okay right exactly um but then people started figuring out well you could do like a this interesting combo of like a squat and a deadlift with it too mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, I think it's gaining a lot of momentum, especially in the cycling world. I think it's even a tad more cycling specific in terms mm -hmm. of the muscles being like fired and everything um, with like the quads and the glutes and hamstrings. Well, I remember Lee McCormick was a big fan of it and he was promoting it 
through his social media and I had never used it. And I mm-hmm. was sort of stuck in like the classic CrossFit. Oh, I have to do a barbell. It has to look this way. Yeah. What is Lee McCormick doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Right, right. So back to your original question. Um, so myself following our Train Heroic plan, I still, I do the um, the kettlebell movements of the hip hinge and knee extension. So okay, so you do both of them. I do both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll usually like a superset. So it's, it's like maybe a single leg Romanian deadlift and a box step up is one example. And then, you know, or like a, a lunge and a good morning exercise or something like that. So I'm getting that. But then for the actual quote, heavy lifting where I'm adding, you know, a lot of weight to it, which is super beneficial. That's where I do the hex bar deadlift. And I just do, just do that. So I don't do the traditional straight bar deadlift anymore at this point. um, And I don't do the back squat. And the other little side note on that is what's great if you're doing this at home is if you're not doing back squats, you don't really need a squat rack. Right. All you need is a hex bar. Yeah. Right. And minimizes your equipment and expense even more. Yeah. And you can hide the hex bar under a bed or in the closet yep. so it doesn't take up a lot of space. Like it's pretty useful. In fact, we carry it around in our RV sometimes mm-hmm. uh, when we go places. So we don't even have to go to a gym because we carry a few kettlebells and a hex bar and some plates and we're good. Right. Um, so anyway, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole <laughs> I know, on that. I love the darn hex bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's what the, the strength training is all about in a nutshell. Um, it's very systematic. The Train Heroic app is amazing. Um, there's a 25% discount code in the cycling portion of the p- program to buy that plan. Um, they're very competitively priced, like very inexpensive. Um, and, you know, it's optional. So if you aren't interested in strength training or you have your own thing, um, do that instead by all means. But we do offer this, uh, you know, well-matched uh, strength training program that goes with the base builder plan as well. Um, so we get into a typical week. Yeah, um, run it through. So a typical base builder week, just to give you guys an idea, I said this before, but there's two structured energy system sessions. So where you're, you're, tar- you're targeting that higher intensity um, interval training. Um, there are options. One of those falls on a Saturday. Saturdays are popular group ride days, especially for roadies and so forth. Um, where you can opt to do a group ride instead of the interval session. Because I love group rides myself, um, and a lot of times I'll end up doing that instead. But it's kind of has some flexibility there for you. Um, there's one aerobic threshold session weekly, and it's midweek. The reason I like those aerobic threshold sessions, as we touched on this earlier, is inside of like an hour, hour and a half ride, mm-hmm. you can get a lot of TSS while remaining aerobic, staying in that polarized zone one or our zone three, um, but staying aerobic um, and get a lot of bang for your minute um, in terms of <laughs> you TSS. Just mixed metaphors, okay. Bang for your minute. <laughs> and um, so that's good. And then one to two aerobic, just basic aerobic mm-hmm. rides. So kind of that zone one, zone two, just kind of cruising. That Those are super important um, for developing your aerobic energy system. And then two gym sessions. So a typical week would look like uh, Monday gym, Tuesdays the specific energy system session, so interval session. Wednesdays that aerobic threshold uh, session. Thursdays just an aerobic ride. Um, And this is a great time for mountain bikers to go for a mountain bike ride or something that doesn't have to be super structured. Um, then Friday's back to the gym, and then Saturday's another interval session or group ride, your preference. 
And then Sunday's that longer, ideally longer, progressively uh, aerobic ride as well. So another good day to go ride your mountain bike if you're a mountain biker. Um, is the, the typical week. And as written, it's the first week is around eight and a half hours and about 300 TSS. And that includes the two hours of strength training. And then the biggest week, so second to last week of the 14 weeks, works up to 15 hours, which is a lot of training, and 600 TSS. Um, so you can see there, it go, gets up there to a pretty solid, you know, I would call this like a, a mid to... Uh, by the end, a higher volume uh, mm-hmm. training plan. However, however, they are all adjustable. They are. So if someone still wants to target 600 TSS by the end, they would do more aerobic threshold minutes versus more hours of easy riding. Right. So you, it is possible to get, I think, close to 600 TSS in a few less hours mm-hmm. if you're time constrained. Or, you know, it may not work. You know, if like you if you're best you so can, time people. constrained, maybe 500 TSS is yeah. the most you can get. And that's great. That's a, actually a lot of training. Um, and if you do it consistently, you'll get very fit with that. Um, but there's ways to adjust that. And it's all explained in the, mm-hmm. in the training program. And you can always email me um, and I can do it for you too. So you have that option. Um, so that's kind of the, the typical look of good. that base builder. That's good stuff. So let's just run through the cost real quickly. Yes. Um, so as we've said before, it's all our version 4.0 2023 plans are 50% off through the end of this year. Um, so for November and December on Training Peaks, you just go there. Uh, I'll put links in the show notes. You can find all the plans, shop them, buy them, and you're good to go. This plan um, comes out to $69.50 for the the what is that? Three and a half months of training. That's amazing. Uh, again, about five bucks a week. And in addition, our podcast listeners can use the code BASEBUILDER25 to get 25% off of that amount as well. So that actually brings it down to $52, and I think it was $0.10. Cents That's amazing. On Training Peaks, yeah. Um, so super the good bonus coupon. Value. Okay, yeah. I love it. And then inside of that... What? There's more? There's more. <laughs> Our feed credits, so our partner, thefeed.com, where you should go to get all your drinks and gels and um, recovery tools and everything you need for training and recovering. Uh, has There's a link in there. Mm-hmm. First-time uh, feed users can enter their email and phone number. You set up an account. You get 20 bucks credit right off the top. Uh, and then you get $20 every two months for the rest of the year. So that gets you right up close to like 120 bucks yeah um and pays for itself so yeah and and if you decide you want to get a few more things if you spend 65 dollars in an order you get the 20 dollar personalized water bottle for free they're really nice water bottles that purist brand easy to drink out of easy to clean and you can put your name or a friend's name or whoever your dog's name on your water (laughs) bottle and that's kind of fun yeah so a lot of good little perks and freebies in there um to take advantage of so okay but we have a request for you guys yes uh all of our podcast listeners if you do decide to give these plans a go please use the discount and we just ask for one any feedback that you would have um good or bad on what you think of the plan and then also getting into the training peaks um review system Mm -hmm. and leaving us a five-star review for the plan assuming you 
it deserved it. If it doesn't deserve it, definitely give us feedback on what we can do to make it uh, earn those five stars for you. Right, but if we can, we, if we can secure some more five star reviews, it'll pop us up in like the search system, and we can be more readily available to to random people trying to find training plans. And exactly. that would just help our business, and we'd be very appreciative of your yeah, help. Absolutely. So that covers the base builder plan and leaves us with the last plan that you'd potentially um, be interested in in building to your peak performance for your A race. And that's the race prep plan. It's the final phase of our kind of base to race uh, system mm-hmm. here. And these plans vary based on your event. So our next episode, we're, our final fourth part of this series, we're going to talk specifically about what that looks like. All right, so come back and listen to the last one. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.